Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us today. Hey, especially if you're joining us for the very first time, whether it's online or you're in here as well with us, we're so glad that you're with us, uh, especially if you're a guest. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So, you know, our hope and our goal is that you would check us out three times, whether you're in person right now or you're watching online. Uh, man, we want you to come back and get a good feel of the church. Our hope is that we would be your spiritual family. So a couple of things. If you're in here right now, take out your phone. And would you let people know that you're, you're here by just checking in on Facebook or, you know, you can, uh, you know, send a picture on Instagram or whatever. And then if you're watching online, we'd love for you to just hit that share button. That helps us kind of get the word out that we're having church and that, you know, that the message of the gospel is still going on. And then, of course, like and comment in the stream. You know, if you see some, you hear me say something good, maybe it's, you know, preach white boy or something like that. Just let us know you're there. And then uh, you can also review the church on social media or on Google. We'd love for you to do that uh, at your convenience. We are in the middle of a series called What I Wish You Knew About God. And uh, we here at Rise, we teach in sermon series format, which means we take a topic or a scripture or a book in the Bible. We teach about it for a few weeks and then we move on to a different topic. And it's it's partly because, you know, I, I have a short attention span and I want to move on to something different. And uh, But part of it is because we want to make sure we're well-rounded. And one of the things that I always hear uh, from time to time as a pastor, I've been in ministry for almost two decades, and talking to people, uh, their, their view of God is all uniquely different. And all of our views of God is really, honestly, uniquely different because a lot of us use a background of church that we come up from or maybe grandma told you what God was like. You know, she pinched you in church and told you if you weren't going to be good, God was going to get you. Come on, how many of y'all had that grandma? And so you got to be careful that your view of God is not not from uh, an external source, but it's really from a biblical source. We don't create doctrine from experience. We create doctrine from Bible. And so what we try to do is figure out what is God saying about who he was. And we talked about last week, uh, the reason we're doing this series is because the foundation of all relationships, come on, you know this, and, and I know this, but the foundation of all relationships is built on how you perceive that person to be. That's why if you're, you know, you think your husband is mean, you kind of treat him mean. That's why if you think your, you know, your wife is, is, is kind, you, you treat her kind. There's, there's, a, there's a, a type of mirroring that happens inside of all relationships. And if we don't see God accurately, we can treat him inaccurately. So we must see God as accurate as possible to have a healthy and productive relationship with him. That's why we're doing this series. And so we're going to get to the second thing that I wish you knew about God in just a moment. Before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We're just so happy that we're here. I know that I prepared notes, but the truth is you have notes prepared for our hearts. And I pray that our minds would be clear, our hearts would be open, and that God, today you would maybe show us and reveal to us personally where we could uh, maybe take a step in our relationship with you. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, the second thing today, as we continue our series, the second thing today that I wish you knew about God, here it is, is that you need to know this, that God wants you to know his will. God wants you to know his will. I've talked to a lot of people who have this kind of question when it comes to the will of God, as they always ask me this. They say, God, or they say, I've asked God what he wants me to do. And pastor, I want you to help me. How do I know what's God's will for my life, which means somebody typically, this is typically what it means, they've come into a fork in the road. I mean, I know what I mean. They've come to a fork in the road. They could go left or they could go right. Both seem good. Come on, we don't have problems with one as a bad decision and one's a good decision. How many y'all know that's easy? But between two good decisions, where do you go? How do you know how to make that decision? So anytime someone asks me what God's will is, my instant response to them is always, well, which one are you talking about? 
Because what people tend to do with God's will is they minimize it into one particular type of will that God has. And I want to give you just a few of them. It's not the exhaustive list, but God has kind of different kinds of wills that, that you and I need to be aware of. The first one is God's sovereign will. This is God's will that is independent of us. This is what God does. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, with who he wants, because he's God. And guess what? God, because he's God, has the right to do that. He's God. He can do what he wants. And we see that throughout Scripture. We see with Abraham. You know, he said, he told Abraham, hey, guess what? I'm going to birth a nation out of you, even though you ain't had no kids, and you're old, and you probably shouldn't have no kids. I'm going to give you some kids right now. You're going to have a nation that's come out of you. Go back and read in the Bible. It's literally what happened. And then he didn't, here's what I noticed about this story. He didn't consult with Abraham. Have you noticed that God does things in your life sometimes, and he doesn't ask your permission? He doesn't ask you to vote. He doesn't see what you think about it. He just kind of does what he wants to do. Why? Because he's sovereign. He didn't ask Mary if she wanted to have Jesus. He just did it. He didn't he even had a plan for Jesus. Jesus. Even You can even see in the context of Jesus' life, Jesus had a will. God had a will. Jesus submitted his will to God. God had something he wanted to do with Jesus. Didn't consult Jesus on it. God has a will, and it's sovereign from us, and it's independent from our nature. And you know what? Honestly, we don't have a whole lot of control over that, so we don't really mess with it. We're like, okay, that's cool. God, you do what you do, and I'll just do what I do. The second kind of will that God has is a moral will of God. Now, this is the will of God that's to our benefit and not our harm. And what's interesting about the will of God when it comes to the moral will of God, this is what we always think of when it comes to, like, the rules and regulations. Like, I've talked to people. You know, they're like, hey, I, you know, they like, find out who I am. You know, and I've, like, I've always gone back and forth when somebody asks me what I do. I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm a... You know, I'm, I don't know, I'm a public speaker or something. You know, like I try not to tell them I'm a pastor because then they, they instantly make me weird, you know. They're like, oh, and they start talking in King James and add TH to the end of everything. They're like, oh, if, how are you, if, Pastor Ith? And I'm like, I'm a normal person, you know. And so anyway, but while I talk to somebody and about, hey, well, they find out I'm a pastor, they're like, well, I'll never go to church because there's too many rules in church. Well, they're typically talking about one part of the scriptures, and that's typically like kind of the Ten Commandments where God kind of reveals his character and his moral will, that God has a morality that's revealed in his character or that is in his character that's revealed through the scriptures. And so oftentimes it's like, you know, you can go and kind of get a general idea of it through the Ten Commandments, but there were over 600 of them in the Torah, and God was giving those to us. Listen, it wasn't a way of earning your way into God's kingdom. It was, or his family, he was saying, hey, you're already part of the family. I already love you. This is how we do things in the family. And so he was trying to give him an idea or a context, a character of God's moral will of life. And so here's what I've noticed about the moral will of God. I don't have to pray about it. You don't have to pray about whether or not you should steal something from a store. You don't need to consult the spirit. You don't need to figure out if murdering someone is a good or bad thing. Like You don't have to go pray about it and go in your prayer closet. You already know because God's revealed his moral will inside of the scriptures. But but and so we kind of have issues with that cuz honestly it's not so it's it's really really clear but it's not always easy to do. I mean, all know that like when you're driving on 1604 and somebody cuts you off, come on. And you're like, "What in the world? That can't be a Christian," you know? And that's why we don't have rise bumper stickers by the way cuz like <laughs> someone asked me like, "Hey, you want to do a we should do a rise car sticker." I'm like, well, "We're not doing no rise car sticker cuz your crazy driving is going to reflect on our church. Like that ain't our church." You know, I ain't getting phone calls for your bad driving. So anyway, sorry. Side note, that wasn't even the first service. That was for free for you guys. Anyway, somebody must in here need to know that. Um, but the third will, this is the will that we really struggle with. This is really what they're at. It's the personal will of God. Now, this is the will that God has to do. Like, what's God's will in our daily decisions? Like, I have, like, an actual decision to make on whether I need to leave or stay in my job or I, how many, you know, certain things I, you know, I, I need to do. And, and the reason we struggle with this is really two primary reasons. One is the Bible tends to speak in generalities and principles. Have you ever noticed that? 
And it's intentional, by the way. Like, it's intentional that it didn't say, hey, be careful with social media. Or back in the day, it is, hey, be careful with your stick when you, you know, your, or your, your, you know, your, your farming equipment. He was, they were careful. They spoke in generalities and principles because they wanted it to last the, the test of, of time. And, but, but the flip side of that is they speak in generals and principles. So here's what they'll say. Here's what you'll read in the Bible. You and I will be struggling with this idea of, like, how many kids do we need to have? How many have ever had that question? Like, come on, married people. Like, you're like, I don't know. Do we have one? Do we have five? Do we have, like, me? You know, am I crazy? Or do, you know, do we have, like, zero? You know, like, you, but the Bible says that children are a blessing, but they never told you how many. Have you ever noticed that? Or, or like, hey, the Bible also says, like, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I, I just, but he didn't tell me, he didn't, like, with Erica, when she walked through the door, I, here's what's crazy about it. I don't know about you, but, like, she didn't walk through the door, and then, like, doves didn't fly out behind her, and smoke didn't billow around her, and I didn't hear a voice from heaven that say, thou hast hereth, for wifeeth. I didn't hear it. So he says, find a wife, but he doesn't say which one. And so we get struggle. We can come on. How many y'all know? Like we can struggle with some of these things. Like there is no specifics. Like should I, you know, should I go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Should I go to Walmart or Target? Should I wear braces or no braces? Should I be vegan or should I be vegetarian or should I be meat only? Because that's the way it was supposed to be. You know, should I wear a mask or no mask? Come on, come on. Like be honest. You and I struggle with the daily decisions of your life. And if you're a Christian, you're wanting to know what God's will for your life. So it's not a bad question. It just means like, what will are you, are you talking to? And everybody from the beginning of time has struggled with that. I'll even give you one scripture from David. This is what he's, he's crying out to God. He's like, I cry out to God most high for the God who will fulfill his purpose for me. When you cry out to God, you're, not, you're nervous. Like, God, please. Has anybody ever done that? <laughs> like you're driving home. Anybody driven home? You're squeezing the, the like, the steering wheel, you're like choking this, the life out of the steering wheel. Like, God, please tell me what to do. That's David. So it's, it's happened since the beginning of time. Another reason we struggle with this is because, okay, so if you're not a Christian in here, guess what? This is awesome. It's not for you. This is for Christians, okay? And, and I can get on Christians because I'm a Christian, and that's like my job. So I'm going to get on Christians for just a moment. So if it's not for, you're not a Christian, you're, you're, you're in the clear. But if you are a Christian, this is for you. Because I, as a pastor, have heard many, many things where we like to bring in cultural, subculture, sub-Christian misnomers. Christians, you know this. We have like this talk. We have language. We have things we say. We have stuff, statements we say. You don't even know what they mean, but we say them. Right? You know, and, and, and you just say them because you think that's what you... You think that you heard your pastor say it, or your church always said it, or your mom always said it, and so you feel like now that's really what Christians believe, or that's really what God's will is. And there are a lot of things that we wrap into God's will, and we think if we feel this way, or if we do this, then it's God's will, and it's not always the case. I'll give you a few of them. One, sometimes we think accomplishment is God's will. We think if we made, if we did it, we succeeded at what we were doing, then that must have been God's will. But if you go back and look at Scripture, God sent many people to go do something. It was His will for them to go do something and they were actually not going to succeed at it see jeremiah see the prophet isaiah i'll read one for you in jeremiah it says this when you tell them all this like jeremiah i need you to go preach teach you're gonna be the greatest sermon ever and guess what no one's gonna listen to you this was it they will not listen to you when you call to them you give that altar call ain't nobody gonna answer so some of us who are like, no, I did really well in that. That was God's will for my life. Not always. Be careful. Not always. I'm not saying it's not, but it's not always. Sometimes. Maybe. 
Another one I love people do is approval. They think if people like them or if everybody's good with their decision, then they're like, oh, it must be God's will. It must be God's will. And if you go and read the Bible, what's funny about the Bible is you can go and read it and it'll reveal to you God's character. And what's funny about the Bible is that it shows a whole bunch of people in the scriptures who were doing God's will and they were the most hated people in the world. They had massive unapproval ratings. They were not liked. In fact, Jesus was not liked. You're like, <gasps> and the crowd gasps. Jesus even talks about it. He says that he goes, listen, if the world hates you, be cool about it. Because, look, they hated me before. They're haters. There's just, it is what it is. He was doing, come on, how many of y'all know Jesus was doing God's will? Shake your head. Yep, he did. Yeah, he was. But he wasn't liked and he wasn't approved. I'm telling you, you got to be careful. You watch, be careful how many times you look at that Facebook post and trying to find out how many likes you can get. Just saying, I'll get off that. You don't like it. Number three, this is maybe the biggest Christian one. I, lo- I always laugh when people tell me this. They say, um, I had peace about it, so I know it's God's will. Hold on. The most Christian people I know will say stuff like that. I'm like, you're supposed to be reflecting God's word. Do you even know what it says in God's word? Because some of the massive characters that God used inside of all of scripture, including Jesus, did not have comfort in their will of God. Go back and read it. When Jesus is in the garden and he's sweating like great drops of blood, that doesn't scream comfort to me. You don't ever see that on a commercial. They're not, hey, get into the Snuggie. You'll sweat drops of blood. That's terrible. And so we wrap up this cultural misnomer like, if I have peace about it, then it's God's will. So it could be, but not always. It's not always that clear cut. It's not always that simple. In fact, John 12 says it like this. this is Jesus talking. He said, my soul is troubled, but I'm not going to say, you know, save me from this hour, God. He's saying, this is the purpose I came. God, this is your will. Your will right now is for me to walk through this and not go find comfort and find my peace and find my, just so you know, peace is not absence of problems. It's presence of God. So peace is actually the presence of Jesus. Jesus was the embodiment of peace. You're not trying to look for no problems or no issues. Your kid never get in trouble. It's actually Jesus' presence with you. So you can't say, like, you, you can't say, I had peace about it. I mean, there's no problems going on, so that must be God's will. It's not true. Not always. Number four is passion. Just if you need me to articulate this, go back and watch or listen to Jonah, the series that I just did right before this. Jonah was called by God to do something. You cannot find maybe a more descriptive person who had low character and low passion to do what God wanted him to do. But it was in God's will for him to go do that and preach to a city and preach to a people who he hated. He had no passion for it, tried to run from it, didn't work. And that's how it is with God. And so it didn't work. He didn't have no passion, but it was God's will. Be careful. It's not always passion. Well, I'm passionate about it. Like, that's the best word every day. It's like, you got to be passionate about what you do. Like, I, you, you should like it. It'd be nice. But not always. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do something you're not passionate about. You need to go talk to that person that offended you, and you are not passionate about it. Number five is meeting a need. Now, this is going to offend all the S personalities, you know, the disc profile, like all the people who love to hug, and they walk in, and they're trying to feel the room, and everybody's okay. Are you you're okay? i got to make sure you got something. You need a hug? I'll give you a hug. Do you need a hug? I'll hug you. Do you need a hug? I'll call you. You know, hug? 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 Digital hug. And so you're like, the people who are trying to always meet a need because you think that's God's will, just so you know, Jesus on this earth, God on this earth, God in flesh, walking around. There was plenty of need. Disciples brought, go look at it, Mark chapter 1, plenty of need. Jesus could have gone and fulfilled all the need. He didn't. 
He said, I'm about my God's, my, my father's business. Come on. And you and I are one day are going to have to figure out, like, am I in this world to do my will, other people's will, or God's will? You have to settle that. You have to settle that. And the last one is this. This is just another one I hear a lot is gifting. Like, if you're gifted in something, that's what you should do in life. That's what God's will is for you. Just so you know, that's a Tony Robbins thing. Like, that's a cultural thing. In fact, that you, you'll, you'll buy into the lie that your talent is yours. It ain't even yours. Your gifting, it's a By its very nature, a gift is unearned. It was handed to you. And so sometimes you'll get into a situation where you'll feel extremely gifted in something. And you'll think, well, it must be God's will for my life. I'm not saying it's not, but not always. See the life of Moses. Go back and read it. The Bible describes how terrible of a leader he was. Seriously. Moses did some great things for God, but he wasn't talented in some of the things God asked him to do. He wasn't gifted. He couldn't even speak. So I'm just saying, it could be, but not always. So since I've ruined all of your descriptions of God's will, <laughs> it begs the question, well, then well, how do you know God's will? I mean, like, that's a good question. Like, how do I know God's personal will for my life? Now, here, just... I'm going to answer it in a different angle. Maybe just paradigm shift for it. Just a second. Okay, so if you're taking notes, this is important. I've noticed reading the Bible, walking with people, and, and just in my own life, God's will, okay, is often found in a direction, not a destination. When you ask yourself this question, if you want to get panicked, does anybody have anxiety issues or get panicked a little bit, just like, like me? Okay, okay, okay. If you ever want to give yourself a panic attack, ask yourself God's will for your life. Seriously, that's a big question. And what's funny is oftentimes I think God is like, you, if I told you, you couldn't handle it. It's, it's kind of like, I liken it like I went on a, a road trip with my kids. Everybody go on road trips with kids. It's terrible. It's like torture. <laughs> I love it. You're a liar. You don't like it. No one likes it. It's crazy. They fight. They scream. They yell. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. They're like, oh, pastor, this is powerful. You don't even know. This is bless me right now. You know, all this stuff you just said don't matter nothing, but what you just said, that blood, thank you, God. Okay. It's terrible. And my kids will go on. And so the, 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 the moment they get in the car, car hadn't even started yet. Dad, what's the question they ask? Dad, where are we going? So we were going to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. Now, adults, you know that's a city in the continental United States. Kids don't know what Baton Rouge, Louisiana is. So I told them, we're going to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Is that a jump place? Is that a restaurant? Where is that? What is that? I said, well, it's, you know, it's this place or city. What, what do you mean a city? What does that mean? I don't understand what's going on. And I'm telling you, at some point, I'm just like, stop. Here's your step to get you to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Put your headphones on. Watch the movie. And don't kill your brothers. Can I get an amen, right? They can handle that. And I think sometimes God's like that with us. God, what's the will for our life? If I told you, you wouldn't even understand it. If I told you where you're ultimately going, you might not get there. If I actually, you don't even know what Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge Louisiana is. Come on, right? 
If he revealed it to us, we probably wouldn't even understand. And God, what I think God does oftentimes to reveal his will to us is he gives us the step that moves us towards his will. So instead of asking God, God, what's the will for my life? God, what are some of the steps that I could take to get me in the right direction? That's a better question. That's a better question. So since that's the question we're all going to ask now, God, that's what we're going to ask. I'm going to give you some four steps that maybe you could, you could take just to figure out, maybe get you in the right direction. Okay? Is that okay? In the time we have left, we're going to hurry. So you can get to lunch. It'll be okay. It's going to be awesome. Number one is this. Four steps, uh, four ways uh, to step in the direction of God's will. Uh, you need to start something new. Everybody say new. Yeah. You know, for one of your steps is, and this is not like, hey, do this and then do this and do this. Some of you might do one of them. Some of you might do all of them. Some of you might do a mixture, okay? So one of you, could. this could be your step to, to get you in the direction of God's will. You need to do something new. Scripture says in Ephesians, he says this kind of gives God's character a little bit. You know, you were taught regarding your old, former way of life to put off your old self. Like there's an old self of you that's pretty like rotten. And it does the same thing all the time. And it goes around in circles. And he says, it's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. But here's what you should do. He said, you need to be made new in the attitude of your minds. New. Everybody say new. Come on, if you're online, you're going to be locking with me. He said, you got to be new. And to put on your, your new self. Everybody say new. All right, I said new. And then created to be like God in the righteousness and holiness. Like there's something about doing something new that brings about. Some, I know this sounds deep, okay? This is crazy. Deep thoughts with Pastor Aaron. But like. If, if you do something new, you're going to have something mind-blowing. New. And some of us are caught in a cycle where you're, you're going back over the old. And the Bible even talks about like, you, you, like a dog returning to his vomit. Like you go back and you, you made a mistake and you move forward and then you remember it and you go back and you're like, man, I can't believe and you come back and you're like, man, I got to go back. And oh, man, I can't believe I did that. And, you, and you're, like, you're like in a circle. And you keep doing the same thing and it keeps giving you the same thing. And, and like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting, right, 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 something different. And so if you want something you've never had, you got to do something you've never done. And so for some of us, it might be you need to take a step in the right direction that, that could be could be new, and we can't change the past mistakes in our life, but we can change our future. You have no control over what happened in the past. You have a whole lot of control about what's forward, whole lot of control. So it could be, you know, it could be a good question to ask is, what do I need to start doing right now to be in step, right, to step in the direction of the life story I want to tell? I mean, you want to be able to tell a story at the end of your life. The only way you get to tell the story you want to tell is make some good decisions. You start something new. So it could be right now you could be in a terrible marriage. Let's just say you're in a terrible marriage. Don't raise your hand. Okay, all right, just say you're in a terrible marriage. Guess what? It could be starting counseling. And if you're a guy, don't lie, don't buy into the cultural lie that all guys hate counseling. That's not true. It's not true. Or you're weak if you go get counseling. That's not true either. That's a lie. It's a made-up thing. It's a cultural thing. You, you, You saw that on a TV show, on a sitcom. You didn't even know it growing up. It's not true. Great leaders, some of the best leaders, some of the best men, men and women, best marriages get regular counseling. I have regular, I need regular counseling. You all know that. You heard this message. Crazy. But we have this issue where we, we, we get caught in our own minds. It could be starting, no, no, start something new. Go get counseling. It could be serving at a church. It's like, no, I don't serve at church. It's weird. Church is weird. You don't know. Ain't it funny? You make a, uh, isn't it easy how we can make a classification and a judgment on something we've never even done? You don't even notice you do it. You've never been to that restaurant. That restaurant's terrible. We do, oh, come on, I'm telling you, we do that all the time, right? 
We do that with food. I know food's terrible. Nachos are terrible. Like, if you come and say that to me, that we're going to have an issue. I love nachos. But like, we do stuff, and we just say things because we just think that, no, 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 just do something new. Like, hey, you could be served at a church. could be praying with your spouse. Like, I wish we could get closer. Pray with her. Listen to music with them. Read the Bible with them. I don't know. Try something new. In the process, you could maybe walk towards God's will. Number two, uh, stop something negative. So you can start something new, right? Or you can start something negative. I've noticed um, that the Bible is so clear about, like, man, there are so many things in our life that we do, and it, it's like little bad decisions over a long period of time create chaos in our lives. Have you ever noticed that? Like, it's crazy how, like, um, just how it works. Acts says it like this. It says, repent. Everybody say repent. Yeah, this is like, you know, you, know, you, you hear this from, like, a, you know, like a real fired up preacher, you know, and you got to get that growl in your voice, and you're like, repent, you know, you're kind of like, that's what you're normally used to seeing, but you know, the idea of repenting and turning to God is really, you know, one of the uh, simple definitions of repent is stop and turn around, like stop and turn around, like stop what you're doing and turn around, and, and, and I've just noticed that some of the people who feel like they're not in God's will tend to make pretty terrible bad decisions that are small in nature over a long period of time. Just so you know, life doesn't implode in one moment. Like I say, like, overnight my life fell apart. That's not true. Just so you know. There's no such thing as an overnight success or failure. Just doesn't work like that. And so sometimes people be like, I've talked to people like, I just got fired out of nowhere. Or, (laughs) if we dug deeper into it, you have a terrible attitude, and you show up late, and you leave early, and you steal from the company, and you talk bad about your boss online, but you got fired overnight. Come on. We, we got to be careful that we don't real like, some of the best decisions I ever made was stopping something. I'll give credit to Pastor Jason, our executive pastor, because I heard it from him the first time. And so this is his uh, statement, and um, it's so good. He said, a lot of people make to-do lists, but oftentimes we need to make to-don't lists. Like some of the best, th- some of the best things I did for my physical health was learning to stop and say no. Those of you who love the buffet. I love the I love food. Food is amazing. I think God designed us to love food. We're gonna eat, we ate at the beginning of time. We're gonna eat in the end of time. Wedding supper of the lamb. We eat all the time. Jesus is about food. I'm just telling you. And so food is good, but as a God, it's terrible. Food's a terrible God. It's good. Some of, some of the best things I ever did in my financial life is learning to stop and say no. To those of you who love Mastercard. Some of the best things I did in my relational life. Come on. If this, going, if this reaches you, say amen. I'm, I'm telling you, like, some of the best relational decisions I did was stop and say no. And stopping something negative could be the best decision you make. So a question you could ask yourself is literally, you know, um, what are some of the things that I, I could stop in order to move closer to God's, in order to move to closer to God's will? could be an addiction. By the way, you know, a lot of times I know, I've noticed this. When I say addiction... Something, you know, obviously jumps into your head. And oftentimes, because of culture, we think, you know, alcohol or we think drugs. You could be addicted to a lot of things. You could be addicted to food. You could be addicted to uh, pornography. 
Some of us are addicted to, can I just, okay, can I have a moment real quick with our church? So if you're a guest with us, this is not for you. This, if you're a family here and I, I am a pastor to you, if I have any change with you, any relational equity with you, if I have any spiritual equity with you, if you trust me in any way, will you just, just listen, just give me 15 seconds. You could be addicted to social media and one of the best things you can do right now and just for a season is delete it off your phone. I'm just telling you, like, I get it. I, I don't think social media is evil. Okay, I'm not saying that. We use it here at the church. You're probably watching online like, Pastor, I'm watching church. Okay, I get it. On Sundays, you can put it back on your phone. But I'm just saying, like, (laughs) if we're honest, you're addicted to social media. Because most people are, if you look at statistics. And can I I just, I've been building up the courage to ask you to do this, okay, as a pastor. Okay, because sometimes I get scared to ask you guys to do stuff. Because, you know, you look at me ugly. So anyway, um. (laughs) I'm asking you to get off social media right now. I'm asking you. Even if it's for a season. Here's why. There's no study in human history that's ever come out to say social media is actually good for you. On the flip side, you can find thousands of studies that say it is actually hurting you right now. So if, if aliens existed... And they were looking down on life, and they heard that, and they saw how many people were on it. They would be flabbergasted, right? If you are stepping outside of yourself, you're like, why am I doing that? It doesn't even bring help to me. Every time I get on, I get anxiety, and I compare my life to theirs, and it's not real, and I feel worse about myself, but I'm going to go back on it. You could be addicted. I'm not saying you are. Take it easy. I'm asking you to get off of it because it's only going to get worse. We are in an election year. <laughs> We're in a pandemic. We have racial issues. We have spiritual issues. People are crazy bad right now. No one is good, and everyone's brave behind a keyboard. I'll get off of that because y'all don't like it. Number three, um, hurry. So stay in something tough. Uh, this could be a great direction mover to stay in something tough um i can i just tell you like christians you are not weak you are strong we are called to be strong in christ and some of us a good step to stay in god's will is to actually stay put stay planted and see god bring about a harvest james chapter 5 says it like this dear brothers and sisters be patient everybody say be patient Yeah, be patient as you wait. So then he goes on to talk about farmers being patient for crops to yield things. So go on to the next verse. He says in verse 8, you too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. I'm not saying that everybody needs to stay in something negative or terrible if they're abusing you. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying that sometimes you need to stay in something tough. Sometimes you need to stay planted. Great things happen when you 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 stay planted. And there's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of, honestly, a whole lot of culture and a whole lot of friends telling you, you should just get out if it's hard. Why would you be there? That's not God's will. Hold on. It could be you enduring gets you to God's will. Sometimes you need to stay planted. I've just noticed that if I plant a seed in the ground and the little you know, seedling starts to grow up and it hasn't produced any fruit, if I go in and I yank it out of the soil... It's not the plant's fault. 
It's my fault. I uprooted it before it could produce fruit. And some of us are mad at God because you're like, God, why am I not producing fruit? And you won't stay at a job longer than two weeks. You're on your 17th marriage and you still think it's them. And if it's everyone else, it ain't everyone else. So, 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 so it could be like, Pastor, you don't understand. My marriage is hard. So is mine. I'm married to a woman. She's married to a man. Here's a crazy thought. We're different. And so we see things different. And if you think that it's going to be easy to be in marriage, you don't read the Bible. Because last time I checked, marriage ain't in heaven. <laughs> Hello. Could be on earth to reveal your character, to help refine your character. My wife is good for me because she don't let me get away with nothing. Somebody needs to tell me no. Come on. So we pray away the very thing that God's trying to move us towards. Come on, come on, come on. So it could be, what can I stop in order? Question to ask. What can I stop in order to move towards, you, you, you know, to, what, what, or, sorry, what, can I, what else can I stay into? What, what God's asking me to, to stay planted in? Where, where, where's his will? I want to go towards God's will, not my will, and I might need to stay planted in something, come on, in something tough. Finally, is this as a wrap-up, and I'm closing. I'm done. I'm done poking you. Final one is this. Final step could be good do, go do something risky. Go do something risky. Genesis chapter 12 uh, tells a story where um, he's talking to Abraham again. His name's Abram at this point. Now, Abraham is in uh, and around everybody he knows, every comfort level he could think of. He's around. He's so good. He's chilling in his house with a Snuggie, watching Netflix, drinking iced tea, and he's got servants, and he's got people, and it's all good, okay? Unlimited internet. It's, he's, I mean, he's just having the time of his life. And God literally asks him, this is what he says to him. He says, hey, I want you to leave your native country, leave everybody you know, leave everybody you know, and your father's family, and then I want you to go to the land. And again, this is what God does. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to show you. When, God? Oh, no, I'll get to that. Just just start going. Go Go get your keys. Go get in the car. Get the kids. Put their headphones on. Start driving. I'll let you know where we're going. How many of y'all know that's risky? I'm here to remind people, a life with God is risky. It's not safe. It's just not. Sometimes we can confuse that, like, life with God is amazing. It's true. It's amazing. He's incredible. You'll never, you'll never regret giving your life to Jesus and walking with him. But it ain't, ris- it, ain't not, it ain't without risk. It ain't easy. It ain't safe. It certainly isn't safe. I mean, you're going to have to do something incredible one day. Some of the greatest leaders I know take incredible risk. It's calculated, but they take incredible risk. In a life of... In God's will, I'm telling you, this is full of faith steps. So it could be to step towards your destiny, you might need to step away from your security. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So the question you need to ask is, what is God asking me to take a risk on? Like, what, what, am I, what can I take a risk with God? Like, you know, as, we, as we close, as we wrap, I mean, I'm telling you, you're, you're sitting in an example of this principle. And honestly, I might not have done it if it wasn't for my wife, so... People ask me, like, thank you for this church. You need to go thank my wife because I really, I was like, I'm not sure we want to do this. She's like, we're going to do it. Powerful. Let's go. Take a risk. I'm like, I like my job. I get paid. I know people. 
I know the mall. I know where the mall is. You know, I. We didn't know anything about San Antonio. We'd never been here. Not nobody here. I was like, we didn't know anything. Nothing. We took a risk. Look what God's done. It ain't because I'm a preacher. It's not like we didn't grow like that because I'm a preacher. You know, y'all just heard my message. It ain't me. God's doing something. You take a risk. God rewards risk taking. I mean, calculated. Walk that out with, with wisdom and with people. Don't be crazy and don't do something dumb, but take a risk. You're not God. I'm telling you, I just noticed anytime I take a big, like, I'm trying to take a step in the direction of God's will, there's a risk involved. It just is. I think He does that to grow us a little bit, if we're honest. So it could be start something new. Could be stop something negative. Could be. I think, I think, I think sometimes we get stuck in our minds. We get stuck. We start thinking about stuff. And, you know, could be stay planted. Could be go take a risk. Whatever God's will is for your life, I think you can take a step towards that. And if we do that, I, I believe we can know. Because I think I, what, what I wish you knew about God is that God wants you to know his will. And hopefully that could be a way to help you with that.